a new method of war should be based on technology, a new training philosophy and new combat capabilities. This is what Ukraine needs to create a more favorable advantage on the battlefield. Valery Zaluzhny, Ukraine's chief army commander, emphasized these aspects in his last article for CNN. The article was published amid ongoing rumors about his possible dismissal. Meanwhile, EU leaders agreed on 50 billion euro of support for Ukraine, a vital aid package. You're listening to the podcast Explaining Ukraine. The Explain Ukraine podcast is produced by Ukraine World, an English-language website about Ukraine. My name is Volodymyr Yermolenko. I am a Ukrainian philosopher, journalist and chief editor of Ukraine World. I invite you to a regular conversation between my colleagues Anastasia Heresimchuk and Darya Sinhayevska, journalists and analysts at Ukraine World, who analyzed key events in and around Ukraine during the last week. Let me remind you that Ukraine World is brought to you by Internews Ukraine, one of the largest Ukrainian media NGOs. Let me also remind you that you can support our work at patreon.com slash ukraineworld. We provide exclusive content for our patrons. You can also support our volunteer trips to the front lines at paypal, ukraine.resisting.gmail.com. You can find these links in the description of this episode. Our key topic today is what Ukraine should do to win the war. There are many discussions within Ukraine and abroad about how long the war will last and how it will end, about the positional problems on the ground and about the lack of ammunition and many other things. So we are going to discuss what actually Ukraine needs to change the situation on the ground and to achieve its goals. Of course, we are going to analyze the latest article by the Commander-in-Chief of Ukrainian Armed Forces, General Zaluzhny for CNN. And we won't omit from our attention the discussions about the possible dismissal uh, that are spreading in the world media. Also, we will discuss some other topics. Dasha, could you outline them, please? Sure. So, except for the one you already mentioned, we are also uh, will pay attention to uh, frontline developments, uh, EU leaders' consensus on 50 billion euros to support for Ukraine, and um, uh, surely we will not omit the topic of expert capacities of Ukraine, which according to uh, Minister of Development of Communities, Territories and Infrastructure is almost equal to the pre-war level. And another hot topic is the UN court um, is that UN court partially sides with Ukraine in its uh, genocidal uh, lawsuit against uh, Russia. In our in topic uh, that is going to be like the first one according to its resonance and salience is uh, basically Zaluzhny new article and I uh, I'm sure that Nastya has something to tell us about that. Yes, Dasha. Mm. It's not surprising, uh, maybe for our audience, that um, currently Ukraine faces some difficulties on the front line and so many news are spreading about the positional stage of warfare and uh, the tensions are actually ongoing along the whole front line. So even though we are talking about the positional warfare stage, still the fightings are taking place uh, along the whole front line. And Ukraine uh, currently is uh, in active defense. However, neither of the sides uh, achieves its big goals. So neither Russian uh, troops nor Ukrainian cannot make any breakthrough. And in this positional warfare stage, time doesn't play into Ukrainian hands, because unlike Russia, Ukraine doesn't have that much 
resources, both financial and human. So uh, new solutions are needed uh, for making changes on the front lines. And this discussion about new solutions, new approaches, new visions has been ongoing in Ukraine for quite a long time. And given that situation on the ground changes very often and new factors are always at play, these new solutions and strategies are also being changed according to the new reality. It is also important to um, remember that for Ukraine it's an existential war and the main task for us is to survive as a nation. And the developments on the battlefield correlate with the attainability of this goal. So uh, in the beginning of 2024, the commander-in-chief of Ukrainian armed forces, General Valery Zaluzhny, outlined the principles according to which the war should be fought in 2024. So he expressed his thoughts in the latest article for CNN, and he also made a a bigger version in Ukrainian language for the official website of the armed forces of Ukraine. So in this uh, article, he presents the holistic view on the philosophy of war, and he offers principles that relate to this philosophy. So um, it is it, it would be exaggeration to say that it is a like brand new vision and something unexpected uh, for the audience to hear or to read because the discussions about uh, these solutions, as I've already mentioned, have been uh, ongoing and uh, our general um, took into account the opinions of uh, soldiers on the ground, of analysts, experts, uh, his own military experience and his own visions. So uh, what he mentions and what he offers is actually the result of ongoing discussion within Ukrainian society and um, military uh, circle. So um, before talking about the solutions he offers, before talking about the main things that actually should be done by Ukraine to achieve its goals and to um, make a breakthrough on the front lines, um, it is important to pay attention to the factors that create this uh, this situation on the ground. And Zaluzhny mentions internal and external factors that actually impact uh, developments on the front lines. Uh, among the internal problems, he outlines the problem with mobilization uh, in Ukraine. And it's actually a burning situation indeed, because as Zaluzhny mentions in his article, uh, unfortunately, currently Ukraine um, is not very effective at uh, taking these mobilization measures uh, without unpopular unpopular steps. And that's actually uh, one of the problems that should be addressed immediately to make uh, the uh, Ukrainian army more effective on the battlefield. And uh, why also this problem is so burning is that Russian, Russia prevails in terms of human resources and Russia doesn't pay much attention to uh, human lives. Mm, Russia has... Uh, numerous population. That is why these losses are not that painful as for Ukraine. And the philosophy, the attitude to people's lives are also different in Ukraine and in Russia. So it's not only about the amount of people, but unlike Russia, Ukraine cares about uh, people's lives. 
so in this regard, yes, uh, with this inhumane uh, tactics and approach, Russia prevails Ukraine. Another internal uh, issue that mm, hinders the effectiveness of Ukraine on the front lines is the regulatory framework, especially in the defense industry. So Zaluzhny, General Zaluzhny, also pays attention to the necessity of um, more effective, more complex regulation of the uh, whole deployment of capabilities of Ukrainian army and uh, including the effective management of defense industry. Among the external factors, um, one of the most important is that the sanctions against Russia aren't proved to be not effective enough. The general also mentions unstable political environments in uh, that uh, some of our key partners have, and um, the problem, which is emphasized by the general Zaluzhny, by the leadership of Ukraine in general, and by the soldiers on the ground, is that uh, Ukraine lacks ammunition. Ukraine lacks missiles. Uh, and that's one of the most burning issues that actually doesn't let uh, carry out the planned, uh, the planned operations and uh, puts Ukrainian forces um, in the situation of stalemate. Uh, so uh, the problem here is not only about the supplies, it's also about the level of production abroad. So our partners' stocks of missiles, air defense interceptors, uh, ammunitions for artillery is becoming exhausted due to the high intensity of hostilities in Ukraine. And uh, we also have this problem of global shortage of propellant charges. Mm, so mm, that is an issue that should be taken into account while uh, creating a new strategy. And uh, the last but not least external factor that also influences the situation in Ukraine on the front lines is that um, Russia, um, taking note of uh, how developments in the Middle East have distracted international attention, might seek to provoke further conflicts in uh, other parts of the globe. So this is a geopolitical factor which uh, should be also counted. So taking uh, all these factors into account, uh, General Zaluzhny mentions the necessity to change current doctrines, uh, to add new senses to them, but it doesn't mean that it's necessary to refuse from the doctrines we use. It's just the necessity to um, make the strategy that reflects the nature of this war and that reflects the changes that take, uh, take place um, in course of the war. Uh, so the key point, uh, the key priority remains technology, and it also um, it, it is also in line with the article um, General Zaluzhny wrote for Economist for the Economist in uh, November 2023, where he put special emphasis uh, on the technology and the importance of technology to win this war. So technology remains, remains this game cha changer that we need. And um, it's also the thing that was uh, talked uh, about by uh, different people in Ukraine, especially by the soldiers. So the importance of, um, for example, unmanned systems is what uh, people who are working on the ground 
uh, emphasized so many times. So strategies, forms, and means of troops deployment should be based on modern technology. And as I've just mentioned, unmanned systems are the main thing, the main technology that should be used alongside with other cutting-edge technology. And according to General Zaluzhny, that uh, provide the best way for Ukraine to avoid uh, being drawn in, into a positional warfare. And um, that's the phase where we cannot possess the advantage. Uh, so um, if we talk about the general philosophy, the general change of philosophy of what is of what the warfare in this situation should be like we can uh, like make a conclusion make a generalization that the main issue here the main achievements uh, on the battlefields should not be based on um, how fast and how much territories are taking back uh, but it should be based on creating creating decisive conditions, those conditions that would let would let um, prevail over the Russian army. So, if we talk about uh, the uh, practical steps or the key priorities uh, mentioned by the by General Zaluzhny, so the number one priority remains the uh, use of. Uh, arsenal of relatively cheap, modern, highly effective unmanned vehicles and other technologies. Uh, Their effectiveness uh, is proved by the huge ability to monitor a situation on the ground, adjust fire, uh, and I mean that the firing of enemy's position are time-effective in this regard and are more precise. And when we're talking about these systems, they, they are not only, not only about drones, but about um, digital field creation, about radio-electronic environment, environment control, and also the combination of drone attacks and cyber attacks. And such operations should be coordinated and conducted under a single concept and a single plan. So they shouldn't be um, shouldn't be very sporadic. They should they should be a part of one bigger picture. And when we talk about the usage of these systems, they should take place not only on the battlefield, but actually they should target the critical infrastructure and military facilities uh, of Russia in its rear. And that's what's being done by um, Ukrainian uh, armed forces already. However, here the systemic approach is needed. Again, these operations should be sporadic. They should be a part of a bigger concept. Uh, Zaluzhny mentioned not only not only uh, the technology of unmanned systems, he also emphasized the importance of superiority in the air um, and uh, talking about uh, like more conceptual things, like the main aim of Ukrainian army is actually to deprive the enemy of opportunities to conduct offensive or defensive actions. Uh, he also um, puts an emphasis on importance to increase the uh, mobility of Ukrainian troops so that uh, the uh, capabilities of uh, Russian army are restricted and the mobility of Russian army is restricted. Uh, so um, 
if, if we sum up uh, his idea, his new philosophy, we can single out three main areas. And he uh, mentioned these three main areas where the efforts should be put. Uh, so the first thing is actually creating a system a holistic system to uh, provide uh, Ukrainian armed forces with high-tech assets. Another one is uh, about the training, like it's the introduction of new philosophy of training of uh, soldiers. And the uh, last but not least is the mastering of new combat capabilities, which should be done as soon as possible. So this uh, philosophy uh, looks indeed uh, very timely, and uh, especially in the situation Ukraine finds itself in, um, because we need to save lives of our uh, soldiers uh, and um, our heavy reliance on the supplies of weaponry from abroad is also something that should be changed. So these uh, unmanned technologies and systems and more uh, novel uh like novel approaches, cyber approaches to conducting this, conducting the war, actually may reduce our dependency on this heavy weaponry and on supplies of ammunitions and uh, ammunition and missiles. Uh, again, uh, it is very important also to emphasize to know to know that uh, this war is an unprecedented war, and um, it is unique as every new war. So we can find some comparisons to what happened in the world in the 20th century. But um, even though we can find some similarities, this war has completely different nature. And um, what we experience, what Ukrainian army experience, what the world in general experiences, is actually um, going on life. So the mistakes and success on the ground, uh, let's write the strategy uh, like life uh, at the very moment when the things happen. That is why the discussions, uh, the search for effective solutions are actually ongoing all the time, uh, including in Ukrainian society. And no one is secured from mistakes and uh, some mistakes that uh, are made they actually let to change let change the uh, angle and let create new approaches mm, so uh, and even if we look at the um, article that uh, general zaluzhny wrote not in november 2023 but early in december 2022 we actually can see how much the situation uh, on the ground changes. So in December 2022, the emphasis was on getting heavy weapons. And at that time, the commander-in-chief told that uh, he needs a certain amount of heavy weapons to change the situation and to make a breakthrough on the front lines. And this strategy, it really was valid and workable, and it would have worked uh, under condition of timely uh, timely supply of those weapons, uh, the thing that actually didn't happen. And the war is dynamic, so the situation on the ground has changed now. And um, uh, what what we've just discussed is valid for this period of time, and that's what should be done uh, right now. And um, another interesting aspect is about why actually General Zaluzhny chose uh, CNN to publish his uh, article, not any other 
media. So um, according to some analysts, actually, the fact that it is an American and uh, very popular media was a decisive factor because um, it's, it was an attempt by Zaluzhny to convey a message to the American readers and to American politicians, especially amid the processes uh, that are the political processes that are going on uh, in in the USA. Uh, so uh, we remember that Republicans put pressure on Biden administration uh, for his strategy regarding the Russian-Ukrainian war. And uh, Washington also was asking the Ukrainian political leadership to share a vision of how the conflict uh, will develop further, should develop further, and what Ukraine is going to do towards its victory. Uh, so this article was actually a part of uh, responding to this request. So this um, like more uh, strategic vision was shared so that American society as well as the American political circles could understand um, how, how Ukraine sees the continuation of this, this war and what tools do we need, uh, what tools we need to actually achieve our aims. And another uh, thing uh, worth mentioning is that the article was published amid uh, rumors or discussions about the possible um, about possible dismissal of uh, General Zaluzhny. And um, in uh, the last interview of uh, President of Ukraine, Ukraine Volodymyr Zelensky for an Italian channel, he told that actually he wants to change the leadership of the country and. Uh, by leadership of the country, he means like uh, the general uh, scope of people who manage the country, including the military sphere. And Dasha, do you have some thoughts uh, about what is going on in the public space and why these discussions are spreading? Um, to some extent, yes, because um, when uh, you mentioning in your insightful review the external factors, I was then uh, thinking about internal aspects. And uh, you see, um, from judging from the point of view fundamentals of political science, we know that there are political powers and administrative powers, and they were, and then um, when they are clashed, it's not good for like political system at all. At the same time, we know the context. Ukraine is at war, and um, it's striving to success uh, and to return um, occupied, uh, temporarily occupied territories back to Ukraine. Um, to pursue its uh, sovereignty and all other stuff that we uh, talk through all our episodes. Mm, and um, the uh, as it is posed by President Zelensky, uh, is that it's not only about some, you know, uh, leadership figures, but also about uh, renewing the system. Some may say that it might be connected to political contestation, uh, and that is a tick in, you know, in a row that, well, it's a live democracy, it's a nice indicator to judge. Mm, at the same time, I'm not sure that uh, it's not. It is a nice gesture, you know, this clash uh, as it is posed by some medias. I'm not saying that it is, but uh, as it is depicted, the clash between political and administrative branches. Mm, and uh, at the same time, we see this confidence in General Zaluzhny in his uh, opinion for CNN in in his. Um, main points that 
whomever uh, there be uh, in this position of uh, um, of a leader of armed forces, um, he he or she will face the problems that uh, are now ongoing. That is lacking resources. That is Russia pushing with the. Uh, but their resources, uh, I just uh, have to recall that uh, the military budget of Russia is twice as more than the Ukraine's budget, military budget for 2024. So uh, we understand um, the scale of, uh, of this monster. Mm, and um, we understand also that Zelensky seeks uh, political salience and the visibility resu- visible results in returning Ukrainian territories from the occupation in particular to showcase the effectiveness to partners. Zaluzhny, on the other hand, as a commander-in-chief, specializes on the military side of the issue and knows how hard it is to repel aggressor, uh, from standing from the point of his um, resources, his, um, let's say so, evil muscles that uh, cannot manage their resources but trying to uh, grasp others' territories and... uh, um, waging its uh, its aggression uh, through through its history, uh, so um, the issue is really equivocal. We do not know official uh, position. We see this um, attempt of office of the president to say that um, it's okay, it's fine. President uh, uh, is in charge, and uh, we understand that uh, fig- some figures are managerial, as they said. Um, so it might be disturbing, and, uh, and as you said, that this decision to publish his view on, um, like, American platform to inform of, uh, you know, of the state of, of this war might signal that um, at least there are some moods of uh, renewing the system. But at the same time, um, um, we, we we are not here to, you know, giving to give like some judgments or assessment of the situation from the point of view that we do not know whether it, it is going to take place. Surely we cannot omit this topic, but at the same time, um, I guess um, it's important to, to tell what there is and what there isn't for Russian propaganda not to distort our messages and... Uh, basically, for, for the world to understand that uh, the political system is indeed complex, and um, in its complexity, uh, taking into account the state of war in Ukraine might uh, somehow be, um, you know, um, unclear and uh, distorted by different sources. And at this point, uh, if we're talking about, you know, knowing uh, what is going on on the military side of the issue, I can't stand but talking, uh, but, but talking about uh, frontline developments. And as we know, in the Kupiansk uh, sector, Ukrainian defenders repelled attacks near Sankivka, uh, which is in Kharkiv Oblast, where the enemy, supported by air power, tried to break through the defenses. In the Liman uh, sector, the Ukrainian armed forces repelled attacks near Terni, Yampolivka, and Torske in uh, Donetsk Oblast, where the occupiers, supported by again the air power, unsuccessfully tried to break through our defenses. If we talk about such a hotspot as a Bakhmut sector, um, our army repelled constant attacks near Ivankivka, um, Klishivka, and uh, Andreevka. Um, and uh, the Russians were unsuccessful trying to improve their uh, tactical position there. 
Russian forces also do not abandon their intention to drive Ukrainian units from their foothold on the left bank of the Dnipro River. Thus, three, uh, like, we see this um, constant unsuccessful attempt to storm the positions of uh, Ukrainian troops. Um, according to the chief of the defense intelligence of Ukraine, Kirill Budanov, that the Russian offensive is currently underway. So um, we see that they are making some progress in fields as uh, near Avdiivka, but that is not what they expected. And uh, this uh, like offensive will be exhausted in early spring to to, to the idea of um, Kirill Budanov, and then Ukrainian defense forces will take the offensive. And according to him, the Russian occupants wanted to reach the barrier line along the Zharibets River in Kharkiv Oblast on the administrative border of Donetsk and Luhansk Oblast as soon as possible. And there is nothing even close to that, although their offensive um, will continue. And uh, then somewhere in early spring, it will run out of, of steam. And again, I want to recall that Russia's budget for the military campaign is 100 15 billion dollars, which is more than twice the military budget of Ukraine in uh, 2024. So it is important to ramp up artillery production. It is important to uh, help our army to win this war for freedom, for values as such, for Europe. And uh, it's important to support from like internal and external matters. So politically, administratively, being united, being resilient, it's all about winning this war, both on the um, like front lines and the rear. And another hot topic is the is that UN court partially sides with Ukraine in its um, lawsuit against Russia. And I'm sure that as well as Nastya prepared such an insightful review of this illusion article, we definitely have something to hear on this matter too. That's true, Dasha. This decision uh, is definitely worth attention because there are hot disputes uh, among uh, Ukrainian expert society about uh, what actually uh, this verdict means. Is it the victory of Ukraine or is it a loss of Ukraine? Is the international law dead or it has some chances to leave? Uh, so what actually happened? The International Court of Justice of the of the UN has rendered a verdict in the case of Ukraine against Russia, and the court recognized that Russia violated some parts of the UN Convention uh, for the suppression of the financing of terrorism. So um, what actually happened and why there are these discussions uh, about the significance, the meaning of this verdict? So let's uh, figure it out and let me uh, tell you about the background of, of what's happened. So Ukraine filed the lawsuit uh, in January 2017 accusing Russia of violating two international conventions. These are International Convention for the Suppression of the Financing of Terrorism and the International Convention on the Elimination of All Forms of Racial Discrimination. So Ukraine asked, uh, asked the court to... Um, recognize Russia responsible for the downing of uh, MH17 plane, which was uh, shut down in summer 2014 by the terrorists uh, from uh, un from occupied by Russian territories. Uh, 
uh, and by the missile system brought from Russia. And Ukraine uh, uh, posed it as an example of financing terrorism. And the lawsuit also referred to some other events, such as shelling of uh, shelling the bus in Volnavaha or shelling of residential quarters uh, of Mariupol. Uh, and within the framework of the convention. Um, on the elimination of all forms of racial discrimination. Ukraine uh, mentioned examples of oppression and persecution of the Crimean Tatars and Ukrainian-speaking population in the occupied Crimea. Uh, so um, Ukraine also uh, asked the court to award compensations for the damage caused by Russia. Uh, however, the court didn't recognize Russia's violation of the most article, articles of the convention. It has also didn't recognize Russia's responsibility for the, down, uh, for the downplaying, and it also rejected Ukraine's request to award compensations. At the same time, the court recognized Russia's violation of uh, one article from each convention. So, in particular, the court court find, found Russia guilty of not investigating cases of terrorist, uh, of financing terrorism, which Ukraine has repeatedly drawn attention to. As for racial discrimination, Russia uh, was accused of, uh, the, of not letting um, Ukrainians get an education or study uh, in Ukrainian language in schools in the occupied Crimea. And here the question is why uh, didn't the court recognize Russia's uh, responsibility for the Russia, uh, Russians' guilt in downing the uh, MH17 plane? So the court actually didn't deny uh, the uh, responsibility of Russia for that, but actually according to the convention, uh, the court explained that the concept of financing uh, terrorism should be actually uh, put into the giving funds and the convention doesn't uh, apply to the uh, transferring or supplying weapons mm, um, which was actually done by Russia and actually it was um, uh, difficult to trace the bank accounts in the occupied territories. That is why uh, this uh, issue of Russia financing actually these operations couldn't be pro proved. Uh, what about regarding the um, recognition of oppression of Crimean Tatars in the occupied in occupied Crimea? The court rejected uh, most of Ukraine's complaints, um, classifying them rather as political, not racial oppression. And again, they also um, appealed to the International Convention, which actually uh, put, puts emphasis on the racial oppression. Uh, so, uh, And actually, these charges uh, regarding the oppression of uh, rights of Crimean Tatars was, uh, were the issue that Ukraine counted uh, on the positive uh, decision and it was uh, a big disappointment and failure of the international court, by the way. So, uh, can we say that Ukraine prepared badly uh, or not properly uh, for uh, for uh, these hearings? Actually, not. We definitely cannot say that Ukraine wasn't prepared. Ukraine um, collected seventeen thousand pages of evidence for this court, and it is also very important to 
mentioned that Ukraine was the first state to file a complaint uh, to file a suit regarding the violation of the Convention on Financing Terrorism. So it was a precedent in the uh, international law. that is why uh, all the steps that were taken by the Ukrainian side were uh, rather like um, uh, first steps, and uh, we didn't have any previous example to refer to. That is why the work was extremely difficult and uh, the end result was really unknown. Uh, and uh, the even Ukraine's preparation for uh, feeling of the this lawsuit deserves special attention. So while preparing the lawsuit, Ukraine took into account the experience of Georgia, um, whose complaints to the International Court of Justice was rejected due to the lack of previous attempts to resolve the di- dispute uh, by consultations with sides uh, between the sides. Uh, that is why since uh, 2014. Uh, Ukraine sent more than 80 diplomatic notes to Moscow and held seven rounds of negotiations that uh, didn't end by any uh, tangible result. And that is why um, Ukraine managed to go to court with these complaints and it wasn't accused of not trying to uh, resolve this issue on the bilateral bilateral level. Um, So this... Actually, these um, verdicts, they raise several questions. On the one hand, yes, even though not all, all, the, um, all, all the things were satisfied, actually, Russia still is uh, counted as a violator of international law, first time in history, even though not uh, all of the uh, Ukrainian complaints were satisfied. But on the other hand, uh, talking about the Convention of Financing Terrorism. So uh, if we talk not uh, just about m- money transferred by bank accounts, um, it is very weird that the Convention doesn't apply to the supply of weapons, ammunition or cash, uh, which was brought into uncontrolled by Ukraine territories. So how to ensure responsibility for such actions? How to ensure responsibility of this way of financing terrorism? Because actually supplying weapons, ammunitions, or uh, cash operations are actually mm, the, the very act of, uh, of financing uh, or giving means to commit terrorist tax acts. Another question is how then how to protect ethnic minorities whose cultural and religious institutions are closed. Uh, and with this uh, verdict, with this decision of the courts, like ethnic, ethnic minorities uh, around the, all, all the globe who, um, would feel more uh, much more under danger and uh, they will have more difficulties to exist in the modern, modern world. Uh, so... Um, but on the other hand, as I've already mentioned, um, the uh, the accusations against Russia, at least uh, according to some of the uh, complaints, is already a big step forward. And um, we will also observe how the situation regarding the a, a, another uh, lawsuit filed by Ukraine uh, will be ongoing. Uh, let me remind you that on the 26th of February in 2022, Ukraine appealed to the um, 
UN Security Council to prove that uh, Russia violated the requirements of the convention uh, on genocide and used false pretexts to invade Ukraine. And the International Court of Justice recognized the jurisdiction over this issue and um, the battles on the in the court between Russia and Ukraine uh, will be ongoing. And keeping talking about the international dimension, let's pass to more pleasant and less uh, ambiguous topic. Uh, Ukraine was granted the 50 billion euro aid package by the EU, which uh, was an important news for Ukraine and actually a big victory of the last week. Dasha, what do you have to share with us about this topic? Um, basically, the program is designed for four years. Initially, it was expected that the aid would be disbursed evenly. Uh, and um, although this support uh, is really a victory, we see constant you know, opposition of Hungary on the matter. And um, um, it was expected that the EU would finally approve this multi-billion uh, financial assistance package for Ukraine at the level of the you know, heads of member states. Um, but um, it, it was uh, expected back then, uh, at the end of last year, but this did not happen. And the main reason for this delay was, you know, this um, Hungary's separate position, which blocked the agreement uh, of the other 26 uh, EU members. And the December summit, let me just remind you, European leaders found a way to support the start of negotiations on Ukraine's membership in, in the European Union, despite Hungary's uh, position. But the decision on financial assistance was not approved. And as it is reported, EU leaders decided that A2 Kyiv could be reviewed in two years, if necessary, but no vote on this issue is planned. And it was like um, a move in um, in attempt to um, please Hungary, but at the same time, uh, any you know meaningful concessions were not made in this matter. And uh, the agreed document, according to The Guardian, uh, reads that um, on the basis of the European Commission's annual report on the implementation of the Ukraine facility, the European Council will hold an annual debate to develop guidelines. If necessary, after two years, the European Council will ask the Commission to make a proposal for a review of the aid package. Um, there, a new package for Ukraine has not been approved due to, you know, this political um, disputes between Democrats and Republicans in Congress over, you know, border issues, as you have already mentioned in, uh, previously in the uh, U.S., and even President Joe Biden's argument that most of the funds allocated to Ukraine actually remain in the United States and support the development of the American economy did not help convince congressmen. And uh, so this decision of uh, Ukraine facility was made amid the background of um, um, disputable political situation in uh, the United States. And uh, since all revenues from the Ukrainian economy are used to finance security and defense, international aid is used to finance public sector salaries, pensions, and other non-military expenditures. So um, it is really important for Ukraine to keep up with um, those aid for, for the current time being. Um, throughout 2023, it was received... Um, the, in you know like constant uh, volumes, um, and in total, according to the military uh, to, to the Ministry of uh, Finance, Ukraine received 
$42.5 billion in external financing. Um, so, yes, when we are talking about the state that is uh, the um, state of war and uh, it needs to ramp up its um, production, its military production, this aid for, you know, um, civil means uh, is uh, extremely important. And uh, we see that uh, Ukraine um, attempts to, you know, um, um, like securing and uh, um, developing the um, economy system of Ukraine, uh, and it does so through uh, expert potential. And as um, Alexander Kubrakov, uh, who is the Minister of Development of Communities, Territories and Infrastructure, said that Ukraine in January um, had uh, 6.3 million tons of agricultural products exported, and it's almost equal to the pre-war level. And uh, while Thinking about these numbers, I recall our talk with Hennady um, Chizhikov, who is the president of Ukrainian Chamber of Commerce and Industry, some time ago. And I remember his powerful stance that we are probably the only country in the world that is at war and does not ask for food aid, but provides it. Before the large-scale invasion, every year Ukraine had exported almost uh, 100 million tons of goods, and this cannot be exported by rail or truck. Uh, for, for this, we had uh, about 18 ports, including Odessa, Mykolaiv, which are used for you know agricultural products, and Berdansk and Mariupol, which were mainly used for our steel production. During the war, the EU became our most important trading partner, according uh, for um, around 60% of our experts. And the products are currently passing through Danube ports of Remy and Ismail. And of course, there are, um, you know, like Western support for helping um, keeping this economy um, like safe and sound. But for comparison, before the escalation of the war in 2022, we were exporting almost uh, 7 million tons per month, while Bulgaria, for example, was exporting 6 million per year. And that is why we say that EU was unprepared for a sudden influx of Ukrainian experts, because Polish ports could only handle uh, 8 million a year. And that's, th that's the reason uh, of, for example, European railways. Uh, they differ from those in Ukraine. They are not trade wagons. They are passengers' cars. And uh, mm, we see this um, mm, misconnection in, you know, purposes and means in Ukraine and in Europe for delivering um, expert needs. Um, and um, our expert culture has not changed. You know, like agricultural products, iron, um, steel remain in the first place. However, with a Panamax capacity of uh, like up to 100,000 tons, Panamax is a, you know, like a big um, uh, ship that uh, can carry um, such amounts of, uh, of production through, through their parts. So um, with this capacity, the cost of transporting this grain to Asia was minimal and they received up to 40% of Ukrainian grain. However, along with the, the development of new routes, Ukraine must remain a maritime power. It's very important for keeping our uh, Black Sea potential uh, in place, although we understand why for, for, the time, uh, for the current time being, it might be a challenge. And um, as far as um, I can say, 
this year we plan to export uh, 50% of nearly 60 million tons of grain that uh, we have harvested. And we understand that all those numbers, uh, giving the conditions of transporting um, the situation with railways that I have already told about, this is a huge challenge. Although in our life, not only in Ukraine, but overall over the globe, um, there are many challenges, like personal, professional, national-wide. So um, there is nothing left for me to say, but take your challenge and thank you for your attention. This was a podcast explaining Ukraine by Ukraine World, an English-language website about Ukraine. My name is Vladimir Yermolenko. I'm a Ukrainian philosopher, journalist and chief editor of Ukraine World. This was a conversation between my colleagues Anastasia Heresimchuk and Daria Sinhayevska, journalist and analyst at Ukraine World. Let me remind you that Ukraine World is brought to you by Internews Ukraine, one of the largest Ukrainian media NGOs. You can support our work at patreon.com slash ukraineworld. We provide exclusive content for our patrons. You can also support our volunteer trips to the front lines at paypalukraine.resisting.gmail.com. You can find these links in the description of this episode. Stay with us and stand with Ukraine.